In business, you rarely hear the expression for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and, and there's, a, there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 weight loss. Allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 weight loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to awaken180weightloss.com. Hello, and welcome to Season 2 of Between the Lines. On this podcast, you will hear about and from lesser-known Canadian authors and writers who, for whatever reason, have remained under the radar of traditional publishers and publishing houses. You will also hear from editors, literary agents, and publishers in the hopes of giving us all a better understanding of how it all works together. If it has something to do with writing or the writing process, you are going to hear a discussion about it here. I'm your host, Randy Lacey. I'm encouraging you to grab your bevy of choice, get comfy, and get ready to go between the lines. People come into writing in several different ways. For some, it was a teacher at school handing out a writing assignment, while for others, it may have been by reading and wondering if they might be able to write. Every writer has started their writing journey on a different path. Each writer's journey will be different, yet similar. But one thing all writers have in common is a different destination. Hello and welcome to Between the Lines. On this episode, I will be speaking with Jim Jackson from Alberta. Jim wears several hats and if we're fortunate, we may get to hear about each one of them. Hello, Jim, and welcome to Between the Lines. Hey, Randy. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's my pleasure so far. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Before we get going, Jim, could you take a few minutes and give a brief bio to the folks listening about who Jim Jackson is? Oh, well, that's a question I've been struggling with since an adolescent. But uh, (laughs) in terms of brass tacks, I am a writer. I am a musician. I run a small publishing company and I do training and people skills educating to companies in my day job. And I'm basically a citizen of the universe, you know. Well, yeah, we all kind of fit into that uh, last part, at least, don't we? (laughs) Let's hope so. Let's hope so. And if you're not, well, you know what? I want to see your documents. (laughs) Well, let's get right into question period then, because uh, while we're both busy people and we have things to do and people to be, people to be, places to be. (laughs) Uh, We just got to find out who those people are first. Well, there it is, right? And there's the documentation again. Okay, question number one then. Are you the type of writer who, well, who only wants to be or wants to hear positive critique of your work? Ooh, well, I think that gets into a discussion of, of how are we defining the word want? I mean, well, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't like to hear uh, the negative stuff, 
but uh, it is it is what I know will will help me get better. I mean, uh, I, I want I want everybody's notes that I can get, and then and then I'll decide kind of where I want to go with it. But mm-hmm. the things that really sting, I find, with the negative criticism are the things that. I kind of noticed were a problem before I even sent it to anybody and just hoped nobody would, nobody else would notice. No, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Then they come back with it. Like, ah, that didn't really work. And I said, oh, yeah, I know. So that, that, that's, that's, I guess, what I want, even though, even if I don't particularly like it. Fair enough. But you don't want fluff. You don't want, oh, I love it. I like it. Mm -hmm. It's great. Even when you know that there's a problem with it, they give you this fluff. You know, there's, there's, there's good critique and there's fluff. Absolutely. I, you know what? Personally, keep your fluff. Give me some negative critique because I can grow from that. Right. And, and the, the negative critique shows that your readers are engaging in it, right? That they, they have some kind of investment in, in what you've written, that, that they want it to, to be better too. Well, absolutely. And so when, when, they're, when they can pick out those little things and, and are, are – comfortable giving you that negative feedback you know you've got somebody invested like you said absolutely wonderful uh number two of touch taste sight smell and i'm missing one sound i guess Mm -hmm. which one do you incorporate into your writing the most Oh, that's a good question. That's why I, I got, asked it. <laughs> <laughs> You're starting out with the tough ones. Like, who am I in that? <laughs> I, I think I'd like to say sound, you know, with the musician background. And, mm-hmm. and in fact, my, my latest book has, uh, has an aging 60s superhero who's powered by sonic technology. So I think I use sound, but if I'm really, if I'm really thinking about it, it's probably smell because there's, I find there's nothing so evocative as as a smell. It just it brings it goes directly to the memory center of the brain, right? So that that it just brings up these memories, these feelings without without any kind of conscious thinking about them. So with today's technology, I mean people can listen to books, you know, hear books or whatever. Visually impaired people like myself sometimes don't have the benefit of being able to read. Mhm. And so, but how would you write something for a blind person in your book? Or is that even a consideration? Um, I, I, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not an, always an active consideration, but uh, I don't particularly use a lot of, of visuals, I've found, looking back on things. It's, uh, I mean, enough to, to set a scene. But right. uh, if if it's actually uh, if, if if I'm looking to give a character some kind of motivation, some forward motion, some kind of emotion, then uh, it'll it'll be some of the other senses and and sound definitely. But I think smell is is the one I use the most. Right. I recently interviewed somebody and I brought this question up, and it was like, okay, so somebody who was born blind described red to them, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you know. So a blind guy listening to a book, the red fire truck. Well, what's red? I have no image of red. Like, fortunately, I had my sight most of my life. And uh, I still remember a lot of the things that I used to be able to see with clarity. Right. But somebody born that way is different. I actually had a, a first-year philosophy professor ask me that exact question. How would you how would you describe red to someone who was born blind? And, and the class kind of fumbled around for a little bit. And, well, well it's, 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 a, it's a color on the spectrum between these wavelengths. No, that's not going to do anything. Nope. <laughs> no, like a, an apple. 
Well, we all know that you can get yellow apples, red apples, green apples, you know, so it's yeah. not, it's not an association necessarily. Right. And somebody right. said, well, hot, hot is red. Is that necessarily true? I know something is so cold that it feels hot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I'm just curious. That's, you know, being visually impaired. I'm just curious how many people actually consider that aspect of writing, thinking about, oh, there may be somebody who's blind that is listening to this book. And you didn't get caught up on it, so thank you. <laughs> uh, how many writing projects do you have on the go at any one time? Um, I try to only have two specifically for writing. So one that I'm actively writing a first draft on, and then one that I'm that I'm editing later. And even that can get a little bit much. But then usually there's also some musical stuff, always some side projects there. There's publishing, excuse me, publishing other people's work from through the through the publishing company. So there's usually a lot going on at the same time. But for writing specifically in a perfect world, I would only have one and then write it, edit it, move on to something else. Okay. so how do you diversify your time between each step? With difficulty. (laughs) (laughs) It's no easy navigation, is it? No. no. Yeah, I mean, I I use uh, I I I use Trello to uh, to organize what I have to do, but doesn't mean I uh, I still hit all those checklists that I have to do each month anyway. So uh, yeah, it's it's more just a focus. Now it's a lot easier for the for the writing part of it. I find for myself because. Because then you're you're invested in it. You want to when you're writing that first draft, when you're telling the story to yourself, you really want to see how it's going to turn out. Even if you have it all planned out, you want to you want to see actually as it gets onto the page. So I find there's an internal drive for that. For editing, though, it's more just uh, if you want to get this out, I have to do this. It's it, it's just going to happen. Fair enough. I've just recently discovered the world of mind mapping. Okay. Are you familiar yep. with that? Yep. 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 Does that work into how you do things or no? Uh, when I'm coming up with a concept, for example, I, I'll, I'll use some mind mapping. So uh, when I was looking at at creating this uh, this fake, uh, this fictional superhero from the 60s, but still that had to have enough of this recognizability as as an early Silver Age superhero would, would need to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did that. So what is it? It's got sound technology. What is that? What does that go go with? Oh, that kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, Australian Aboriginal uh, sound uh, dreamlines, which are based in in sound. So maybe I can bring in an idea of that. And then over here, we have this psychedelic thing. So where's where's that going to come? And so I'll mind map out a concept. Okay. Uh, not so much for plots, though. Not so much for plots. OK, that's a, a whole different ballgame altogether. What do you consider the hardest part about your writing journey? Uh, Is it the writing, the publishing, or the marketing, or something else? I would say, for me, the marketing, and specifically the follow-through, because it's it's very hard for me to to stay attached to a project once, once I've done it, once I've kind of finished it off, or, you know... 
abandoned it at least as uh i think picasso said no no work of art is ever finished it's just abandoned but uh, yeah (laughs) once i stop polishing it and just put it out there i've invested so much in it and i want to move on to the next thing so that follow through with the marketing is is hard for me uh but i have help i have help with black fox marketing in calgary that's black fox marketing if uh, if i can put a plug in there for for my marketer And uh, there's there's no affiliation here. I'm letting him do this for free. <laughs> no, that's wonderful, though. Um, yeah, so parents, moms especially, have a what's called separation anxiety. Mm-hmm. Do you get that with your work? Uh, no, usually I'm just kind of very much relieved to have it out. Get, get out of the house. You're 18. Go away. Go go live on your own now. Go out in the world. See how you do. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, you're uh, uh, you are a small press owner operator right so that whole pro it sticks around a little longer with you it's it's no longer just writing you're now working that other aspect of it as well so it it lingers doesn't absolutely and i do find it much easier to market other people's work that i publish than than my own because I've probably moved on to a completely different headspace for the next project. But for if it's somebody else, uh, I always loved the project to begin with, right? Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. That's, a, that's a good perspective. What area of your writing do you think needs improvement? Hmm. Uh, probably feelings. Uh, I I tend to favor thoughts over feelings, both in writing and in life. So I'm... I'm most comfortable having any kind of emotional content from a scene come from from like the plot and the sequence of events and and this kind of, you know, shaking your fist at fate idea rather than any description of how a how a character's feeling. So, if I do do any writing exercises or uh, you know, five finger exercises to get to get better at the craft, it's it's those I try to focus on. Interesting. So, you shake your fist at your work a lot then? <laughs> I do that too. <laughs> How much of yourself would you say goes into something you write or at all? Hmm. Uh, probably about 22.8%. That's pretty precise. <laughs> no, I made that up. I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't really know. Um, uh, I, uh, it used to be a lot. It used to be quite autobiographical. Now uh, it's definitely not a huge amount consciously. At least, I mean, it must be buried in there somewhere, but uh, I find what I've enjoyed writing most in the last few years when I came back to writing is something based around uh, a concept, right? So, so then the concept takes a lot of, of the, the structure and that off of, off of hanging it on anything autobiographical, I think. Okay. Can any of your friends, family, or co-workers read something of yours and goes, that sounds a lot like me? <laughs> you see, I he laughs evilly. Don't think so. I mean, I, I, and you, I don't know. I don't know. You'd have to ask them. Maybe I'm just absolutely stealing uh, people's <laughs> characteristics and I'm not aware of it. Would you be tempted to? Uh, I have before. Mm-hmm. I have before. And... Uh... Well, this—I I don't think the person ever ever read it. Or actually, actually, these, these would have been songs. So, uh, uh, listen to them. So, I think I'm in the clear. Well, that's a sigh of relief. Sigh <laughs> yeah, of relief. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, if they were much more famous, it would be a different thing. Yeah, I guess poetry is a little different than writing a novel or, or short stories or something like that. Poetry tends to bring out a little more of you 
in mm-hmm. in, in the in the uh, overall picture, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Do you, you write poetry at all? Uh, I I used to. Uh, now sometimes I'll write something that that will turn into song lyrics. Right. But more often than not, I have the idea, the, 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 the words and music come at the same time. So it's never really just a written page thing. Ah, okay. What do you fear most as a writer? Hmm. They haven't I gotten easier. You know that, right? <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, and I think that's, that's actually what, uh, what I would fear most about as, 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 uh, as a writer, as an artist, as a creative in general, that, that it won't ever get easier. Just the, the, the process of it, that, that it will always have to be this, you know, this churning adolescent version of the tortured artist that, mm. uh, you always have to have that with you, even as, as you, as you get gray and, and wrinkled in that. Uh, so I do hope that, uh, that, it will it will calm itself. It will still be a, an act of creation, but without all the without all the thunder and lightning, inspiration stuff. I, I don't know if it's a, a big thing in Calgary, but out in Vancouver, uh, many years ago, I don't know if that it still exists today, but they had these uh, down around Stanley Park along the uh, seawall, uh, struggling artists set up their work and try to sell them and stuff like. That. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is, is that a thing in Calgary? I don't know. Do people do that, or um, have you ever had to do that, or? I've never had to do that. Fortunately, I've been I've been lucky. Or, or you know, I I I went a day job route instead okay. of trying to do a, a full time creative thing when I was younger. So, uh, so I've just come back to this as uh, now that that I'm kind of settled. But uh, no, I've never had to to do that. I have I have gone busking. Not that I needed to do it to eat, but it's a great way to uh, to practice your craft and to see if anybody cares about what you're doing at all. So here's a here's a, a hidden question that you had no idea was coming. <laughs> so if I were to show up on your doorstep in a time machine saying, "Hey, Jim, get in. When and or where would you like to go?" Ooh, and why? Okay. Oh, that's that's a good one. <laughs> so, okay, I'm going to narrow it down slowly here. Probably Probably 20th century sometime. Okay. I I might say uh, now, provided we could we 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 could come back and maybe pack some food with us. Um, <laughs> I, I I've I've always had this this uh, very romantic association with um, with the American Dust Bowl in the 30s in the Depression, where 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 people just had to do what they needed to do to survive, right and. Okay. And and I find a lot of the the art, the popular art and popular culture reflects this this huge optimism, which I don't think a lot of people were feeling. But I've always found that very interesting. That at times of of real hardship, uh, what happens to to pop music, to movies, and that is that they become very uplifting, mm-hmm. right? Because you don't you don't want nobody wants to see a depressing movie when they're already depressed. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it <laughs> or, might, or maybe it maybe. might cheer me up to see other people having a harder time than me <laughs> there's that um yeah. but go back to the 30s though that's okay the blues has been around a lot longer than that but mm-hmm. the birth of the blues as we know it today stemmed from in around that time exactly yeah and and being a blues musician yourself maybe is that part of the reason why you'd like to go back to that 
Definitely, yeah, because that, that's when it became codified, and 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 with this this structure that that Robert Johnson brought in, it's going to be like this, and then so from there, that's what we, as you say, what we recognize as the blues today, and and that, and that's another another example of that uh, of of a a very hard time a time of hardship that brings out this this invention, this creative invention of uh, of an art form. Well, we're we're pretty much done with those questions and now i'm just going to ask you what advice would you give or offer someone who is just beginning their writing journey mm-hmm. and I, I this question i haven't asked a lot so i know this answer very well just <laughs> write write every day if you can right just keep writing put your bum in a seat or get a standing desk that's healthier but uh but just make sure you are writing as much as 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 will as you allow because there's a great book by James Scott Bell about uh what's what does he call it i can't remember his term but resistance resistance that you'll as as any creative you'll come up against this resistance but what you do what you if you want to be serious about your craft whether it's writing whether it's some other kind of art form you you do it even when you're feeling bad so like like Arnold Schwarzenegger didn't on a bad day skip the gym he he, he had no bad day he went for twice as long right yeah. so yeah. if you're having a bad day write for twice as long make it your own you can you can always fix bad writing but uh, but you can't fix non-existent writing exactly <laughs> excuse me the um the other thing too though is Un, unrealistic expectations. Mm-hmm. So we set limits that we can't live up to, and then it, it defeats us. Right. Right? So I'm going to write 2,500 words a day. Well, is that really realistic? Yeah. You, and even if you can do that for a little while, you're going to burn out in a minute. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's a matter of setting realistic goals. Yep. Yeah, uh, I was lucky enough when I was writing most of my books to have an hour in the morning that uh, that I could set aside, and I found no matter if I thought I was writing fast or slow at the time, I could do about a thousand words in an hour, and then that and that set me up very nicely for the day. I just felt good mm-hmm. after that, right? So yeah, one of the ways resistance works to stop us from from our craft, from our art, is by making us think we had to have these unrealistic expectations. So uh, yeah, definitely don't don't try and write twenty five hundred words every day, but try and write five hundred. You know, try and write two fifty as long as as long as you're writing regularly, whether that's every day if you can, or every week if you can't do it every day, then that that's really the important thing. At the onset of twenty fifteen, so New Year's Eve twenty fourteen into twenty fifteen, I made a New Year's resolution that I was going to try and write at least one poem a day for a whole year. Hmm. Now, that's a pretty lofty goal. Mm-hmm. 18 days in, I failed. Mm-hmm. Or no, 13 days in, I failed. And then I, you know, I kind of beat myself up about it. And then I went back and I looked at what I had written, and I had more poems written than there were days passed by. And then I got to thinking, well, what was my end goal? Well, at the end of the year, I wanted 365 poems. Mm-hmm. So I redefined my goal. And then November 21st of that same year, I had written 365 poems. That's a brilliant way to redefine that. Well, it is because you, you want the end picture. Okay, what is the end picture? This is the end picture, One, 365 poems. And that's an easier way to redefine it, though, but not everything is that easy. 
Yeah. But you've got to be able to find that um, resolve to look at it in a different way and then get yourself a new direction. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I don't, I don't stick to the, uh, the one hour, a thousand words a day. It's now I do it by deadline because, because I know I can now, right? Like with, with some experience, you don't need that regular training every, every day or, or every week or whatever. So I'll just set, I need, I need to have the first draft of this done by this date. And then, and then I'm, I'm pretty good now with, with, self-motivation because I know, because I've done it before and I have that, that to, to look back on. How long did it take you to get to that point though, where you could do that? Oh, a good three years of oh, writing really? every, every day. Yeah. And how long have you been writing? Been back to writing since 2015. Okay. You took a, uh, took a break for a while, did you? Yeah. Quite a, quite a long break as I, uh, yeah, I, I kind of gave up everything artistic. I, I wandered the world for a little bit, and then uh, and then when I came back and and had uh, had a child and was looking very closely at uh, at forty down the horizon a few years ago, I thought you know this is something I want to do. I want to I, I want to have at least a book out, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, and that's uh, that's been five books ago. Five books ago, good for you. Yeah, good for you. I've uh, in high school, my English teacher encouraged me to continue writing poetry and he said you know what you should you should look into getting published well of Mm -hmm. course life gets in the way and you know and my lifestyle well it wasn't really a healthy one and 40 years later it took uh it took a near-death experience and landing in Mm -hmm. the hospital for five months to realize that maybe i should pursue some of these things and i put out my i put out my first book blind ambitions it took me going blind to become ambitious about writing again or not yeah. writing, but publishing, because I've always written. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing what can motivate us to do the things that we really wanted to do but never got around to it. Well, I'm kind of hoping that's something that something good that comes out of the pandemic as well, that a lot of people have looked at their lives and say, eh, is this soul-destroying job really what I want to be doing <laughs> until, until <laughs> you know, forced retirement or whatever? Uh, so, yeah, I really hope that people have, have found their, their more authentic paths through this. Well, the, the past two years has given people a lot of um, opportunity to go deep inside themselves and see, you know, what is really important to them. Absolutely. I think so. Anyway, we're going to go on to um, what I call shameless plugging. Very good. So if you're all right with that. (laughs) I can be shameless. You can, eh? All right. (laughs) I think every artist can be, can't they? (laughs) What works? What works do you currently have in publication? All right. Well, we talked a little bit about my latest one, which is a novella and a, and a music EP combo about this this aging '60s superhero. So imagine if there was a a cartoon even trippier than that Spider-Man one from from 1967. Okay. So so he had his own cartoon. Now he's 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 aged. He's in the modern world, and he has to make his way. You know, the people he swore to protect are thinking now he's he's part of the problem. Right, because you know use of violence and and all that. So there are a lot of thorny issues that that I try and take a, 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 as light a touch as as I can to, to these issues, kind of facing facing the world now. So that's called Captain Blue and Queen Bee: The Continuing Adventures. Okay. My first book was actually nonfiction and came out of some of my uh, my work uh, teaching people how to how to give presentations. 
and that when I used to say, oh, just start with a story. That's what they do in TED Talks. Start with a story. You'll be fine. And then realizing that not a lot of people knew how to take something, especially, say, a technical topic and make a, a story out of it. So that's called How to Tell a Really Good Story About Absolutely Anything in Four Easy Steps. And I thought it would be cute to have this ridiculously long title, but all oh, the typing and try tweeting that. But uh... <laughs> So that's always a solid seller around around the world. I'm always surprised when I look at the reports for, for, for that because it's been out for since the paperback in – 2017 so that's five years and it's still a really solid seller so people want to know how to take simple steps to make a really good story okay and and then in terms of fiction, I have the, the King Wong Adventures, which is I call uh, pulp mythology. So it's like creatures from world myth on the, on the streets of, of Hong Kong, pre, pre-protest Hong Kong, because that's the Hong Kong I know. Okay. And then it's got this, this 40-style pulpy detective. So there are two of those out now, and the last one comes out this year. Oh, really? Yeah. That's going to be exciting. Oh, and then I should also plug uh, Prairie Gothic, edited by Stacy Condla. That's a collection of short stories. It's the first uh, work that, that is not my own that I put out through the publishing company. Oh, so okay. those are uh, psychological horror short stories all set on the Canadian prairies. Really? Yep. It's a, it's a really fantastic collection. That's available um, Chapters Indigo if you're in Canada, uh, Amazon for anyone else. Wonderful. Yep. Yeah, love that. Love that collection. And uh, the not really sequel, but another one of the same kind will come out in October, and that's Prairie Witch. Prairie Witch. Stories reinventing the idea of, of witches, but again, all set on the Canadian prairies. A good place for it. <laughs> absolutely so you you mentioned uh, a book coming out in october but uh outside of that do you presently have anything you're working on and how close um to being complete is it uh i have a book that i wrote uh first draft actually and and and, and edited at least a couple times in 2018 that i'm doing yet another edit on it's uh this one, is, 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 it was a huge departure for me. When I put out the first uh, King Wong book, the pulp mythology book, I had a friend of mine read it, actually before I even put it out, and he said, yeah, it, it's good. It, it just kind of skims the surface, though, doesn't it? It doesn't go really deep into anything. I went, yeah, that was the point. I just wanted something fun. But now I know I'm going to take this as a challenge. So, uh, And then another friend of mine came out with, with her first novel, which was just stunning. Uh, and I read that and I thought, oh, well, now I got to really bring it here. So, so I wrote this book that has just kind of languished for the, for the last little bit. But this is the one that if it turns out the way I want it to, I may never have to write fiction again because this will just, this will just stand for what I want to say. Okay. Well, then maybe you'll start writing these screenplays. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Think big, right? Is there one of your books which you are more particularly proud of than the others? Yeah. Um, again, I said I'm terrible at follow-through, but uh, I'll even say that you know the latest one, uh, which is rare for me. Usually I want to distance myself and move on to something else. But yeah, Captain Blue and, and Queen Bee I'm really happy with. I think because 
uh, writing it and, and, and recording the music. I just immersed myself in 60s psychedelia, in, uh, in, in the music, in the sounds, right? And, uh, and, and that, that was just a very uplifting experience. And still thinking about some of the jokes in that book still make me smile if I, if, if I can laugh at my own joke, right? Well, why can't you? <laughs> if you can't laugh at your own it. joke, what can you laugh at? Well, exactly, right? I mean, Seinfeld even laughed at his own. And, well, anyway, <laughs> that's another story altogether. So the ultimate question is where can people connect with you? Um, You know, things like uh, email, website, snail mail, blog post, meta or Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, TikTok, and the list can go on and on. But indeed, there are so many these days, aren't there? Uh, Your one-stop shop, I guess, for all Jim Jackson, it would be jacksontron.com, J-A-C-K-S-O-N-T-R-O-N.com. Com. Uh, if you're looking for stuff specifically <clears throat> through my small press, you would go to theprairiesoul.com slash press. And then on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, I am Jackson Tron. Tron? For what reason? <laughs> I was in a, a few years ago. I needed a new email address. Oh, geez, more than that. Like 15 years ago, I needed a new email address. And I was kind of into this uh, retrofuturism thing, like with, with toy robots and, and space, atomic spaceships and that. So I thought, oh, I'm just going to use this as an email address. And then it kind of became a thing. So nothing to do with the movie or the sequel? Nothing to do with the movie. No, no, no. Maybe because uh, I have trouble with the emotions. I am part robot, though. That could be it. Oh. Okay, okay, okay. Now I'm scared. Uh, <laughs> and finally, do you have any uh, last words of um, wisdom or advice you'd like to share about anything? Yeah, I was talking to a friend of mine recently, and we were when we were when we were in university, we were you know aspiring novelists and and talked the talk if we didn't necessarily walk the walk by actually writing a lot. Um, but some, and I was talking to him and he kind of completely gave it up because uh, he was saying, I, I just wanted, I, I wanted to get to a point where I could put out something perfect and that it didn't work. So yeah, don't, don't wait until you think you can create something perfect. You can't, your first thing is not going to be perfect. Your last thing might not be perfect and that's okay too. So I would tell people just create what you can now. And then after that, Create what you can then, mm-hmm. and you'll get you'll get better by doing. Basically, if you if you're going to be a writer, write whatever whatever that looks like for you. To just actually do it, even if it's not great to begin with. So basically, uh, in a nutshell, if there's room for improvement, there will be. Yeah, but just write it. Absolutely. That's that's actually really really sound advice, and and uh, you know this is this has been. Actually, I wasn't sure what to expect when talking to you because, you know, I had this um, preconceived idea of, well, he's a small press owner, blah, blah, blah. And so I didn't know what to expect. But this has been really, really good, really fun. And you should go into radio. You've got a great voice. (laughs) Well, thank you for that. (laughs) So, yeah, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for agreeing to do this. And, um, yeah, no, it's, it's been good. Cool. Yeah, I love this conversation. Thanks, Randy. You have been listening to Between the Lines. 
in future episodes, I will not only be speaking with Canadian authors and writers, I will also be speaking with those from the other side of the writing industry, editors, agents, and publishers, in the hopes of getting a better understanding of how it all works together. If you like what you heard, hit the subscribe button to be notified of new episodes and content. Send all your comments, suggestions, or any questions you'd like to have a guest answer to me at randy.dplpodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to visit me at www.therandylacy.ca. While there, look for the Buy Me a Coffee button to help support the podcast. Thank you for your time and your ears. Tune in, be inspired, and write on. In business, you rarely hear the expression for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and, and there's, a, there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 weight loss. Allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 weight loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to awaken180weightloss.com.